0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 77. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues to look at leadership and the leadership of Nehemiah. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We started looking at Nehemiah last week, and we made it through the first Three chapters of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah, you may recall, was a Israelite, specifically from Judah, who was in exile. This was after the Babylonian captivity, after the Persians have come in and they have defeated the Babylonians, and so he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. He hears about what's going on back in Jerusalem, how Jerusalem itself is in ruins, and the wall has been torn down, and he forms a plan goes to the king and gets permission to go back and rebuild the wall. And we started the rebuilding of the wall last week amidst some opposition from the neighbors. And so that opposition continues here in Nehemiah 4. What they are building, even if a fox climbed on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So... We have a continued opposition at this point, but primarily at this point, it's verbal opposition. It's ridicule. And so Nehemiah is the leader here. What do they do in response to the ridicule that they're getting for attempting to do the rebuilding of this wall? And the answer is, Nehemiah prays about it, that God would turn their insults back on them, but that's all they do. They don't need to do anything different They don't need to do anything just because they're being ridiculed. They just ignore it and keep on with the work. Distractions are everywhere, and part of what leadership needs to bring is focus. It needs to bring prioritization of what things need to be done and what things can just be ignored. And that's what Nehemiah is bringing in this particular situation, the wisdom that this is something that can be ignored. But then, when the wall is half as high the neighbors start to realize that they're serious. And so now we get real problems. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashad heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot build the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, and that God had frustrated it, they all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the men who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. So this is a different situation. This is a threat that needed to be taken seriously. At this point, The people who are ridiculing them understood that they were serious, that they were going to complete this work, and that that might restore some of their power. And they don't want to give up the power that they have over these people who have the wall torn down. And so they decide at this point that they're going to go in and kill them so that they can't finish this work. Well, this is something that they have to take seriously. This is an actual threat different from the taunts and the first thing, which just need to be ignored. And so they have to take measures at this point, and so they take very considered measures. They are always prepared from now on to meet an attack. They're prepared in a number of ways. They always have their weapons with them. If they have a hand free, they've got the weapon in the hand. It says, while well, they're carrying things. If they don't, if they're actually doing the work, they have their sword at their side. And then they're also spread out so that they have the trumpeters, ready to go to, if there's an attack at this part of the wall, they'll go with the trumpeters, they'll sound the trumpet, and everyone will meet them there. So they prepared everybody. So this is what we're going to do in case of an attack. So that's the leadership that Nehemiah is providing is foresight. He doesn't go out and cause trouble, but he is prepared for trouble in this point. And because he is prepared for it, he avoids it. Because they see that they can't be taken unawares. And they are watchful, and they are prepared. And there are examples in other places where that sort of preparation or foresight is needed. It might be as simple as the leader in the home, the father or the parents in the home. The leader in the home, the parents in the home should have emergency evacuation plans, should have a will, what happens to the kids if they should die. That's something that our pediatrician really scolded us into practically, that the leaders in a business clearly have to have contingency plans. So leadership provides one of the things that he's providing in this case, Nehemiah, is this sort of foresight of what should we do if this happens? The other thing, obviously, is he's providing encouragement. Did you notice how they were wearing out? So he really is providing at that point encouragement that they continue on with this work. They're only halfway done. And then also he's leading by example. He and the guards with him are always dressed every time, ready to go. And that's some of what I think is giving them encouragement is that he is ready to go. They're working from dawn till when the stars come out, so they're working really hard. And a leader helps encourage people as they're wearing out from the ministry that they're doing, from the work they're doing. Nehemiah's leadership as we look at it, even though it's biblical leadership, is very practical leadership. It's a practical task, building a wall. There's nothing particularly spiritual about building a wall. But he does provide... In the next chapter, in Nehemiah 5, some spiritual leadership, some moral leadership, there's a problem that arises. Now, the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Some were saying, we have our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow to pay the king's taxes on our fields and vineyards, and although we are of the same flesh and blood as our countrymen, and though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. So even though they're working really hard to build this wall, in the midst of this, they're having to sell their children into slavery to pay the debts for the taxes to other Jews. And so Nehemiah hears this, and he says, And when I heard their outcry against these charges, I was very angry. I pondered in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials and told them, You exact usury from your own countrymen. So he calls a large many together to deals with them and says, As far as possible, we have brought back our Jewish brothers who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your brothers only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. And he basically gets the people to swear an oath that they will not do this. He's providing practical moral leadership here that this is something that is wrong. And then he provides leadership by example. He says, Moreover, from the twentieth year of the king Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be governor in the land of Judah, until his thirty-second year, twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took forty shekels of silver from them in addition to the food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land." Furthermore, a hundred and fifty Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every ten days, an abundant supply of wine and of all kinds. In spite of this, I never demanded the food allocated to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. He's saying, Don't you see why I have behaved this way? I understood that this is a poor country right now. And so even though I'm appointed governor, I didn't even take what is rightful and be mine as governor. How is it that you are laying this burden on your brothers? And so he is leading by example, and there's really nothing that they can say in response to that. And so the people promise that they will not do this anymore. With that, we're going to stop looking at the leadership of Nehemiah. We're going to continue on the leadership theme next week. If you have any questions, send them to host at com or leave a comment at com. And as always, thanks so much for listening.